Okay, so today we're jumping into session four of six, and that is how do we know God's will, and this session is around God's will and the church. Um, the, the main point of today's lesson is that God often reveals his plans through his church, meaning you and me to each other. Um, so the first question, kind of the icebreaker uh, today is again around advice. We've kind of had several questions around advice over the last few weeks. Uh, and this one says, what's a piece of advice you're glad you didn't ignore? Have you ever gotten some advice you're really glad you didn't ignore? How about the inverse? Have you ever ignored some advice you really wish you wouldn't have? So sometimes we find there's, yeah, there's around, we get a lot of advice around our job. Uh, we get a lot of advice around our relationships as well. Uh, have you ever uh, been glad you didn't ignore that, uh, that relationship advice or that job advice? Seems like relationships and careers are one of those areas where parents, they, the experience that they have, right, or your elders, it's really helpful. Like advice on what car to choose or not choose. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But relationships and jobs, it seems like, yeah, it seems like that's advice we often listen to. Anybody have a good story? No. Okay. Well, we'll uh, turn to page 92. <laughs> and uh, can I get a volunteer to read the Bible Meets Life section? And what we're going to hear here is a, a story about a job situation. Uh, and if somebody could read those uh, few paragraphs for us, that'd be great. I once spoke with a Christian businessman whose job ended this one. After only working a few months, he resigned in frustration. Exasperated, he complained. I prayed and asked God to show me if I should take that job, but I never heard anything, so I took it. I asked, what did your wife think about you taking that job? She was against it from the beginning, he said. Did you have any friends praying with you about this decision, I asked. I had some friends about church from church pray with me about it. Several of them had raised concerns, but none of them had led me a company size. My teenage son said he hoped I didn't take the job, but he's a teenager. What does he know about corporate business? So I said, you ask God to guide you, and then you ignored everything he said through the believers he placed around you. One of the great gifts God has given us is his church. God uses our fellow believers to help us grow in Christ we believe that, that last line, that God uses fellow believers to help us know his will and to guide us through this complicated life? He does, right? And in this particular story, uh, I actually think it's probably a true story, right? I don't think they had to make this up, you know, for, for the book or anything. It's probably a true story. Uh, a businessman, obviously uh, well accomplished, right? If he's leading a business, it's a pretty serious job. Um, and God starts putting people in his life when he was praying, only he didn't listen to any of them. You ever found yourself in a situation like that? Yeah. So what's the first thing, the first situation he was in? He was praying, 
right? He knew this opportunity was before him. He actually took the first right step. He was praying about this situation, uh, which, which was great. Um, but God started delivering answers in a way differently than he was expecting, right? So where did he go wrong? He prayed. He claims he was listening, right? He said, God never told me anything. He wasn't listening. But he wasn't listening. I think he followed the, what he wanted. Yeah. yeah. Only. Yeah. And that's really the, the point we're trying to get across is that we have things like ambition, right, that can cloud our judgment. Uh, we have our own will that we're wrestling with when we're trying to figure out God's will. And that step of sacrificing our will in front of God's will, that was actually the first lesson that we had here, right? And this is probably where this guy's falling down. But God keeps bringing these voices into his life, and the first and most important voice was, was whose? His wife. Have you ever made a strong decision on a big matter and weren't aligned with your spouse? Never. Never. <laughs> Is that true? It's true, yeah. Yeah. I think that is good Christian practice. If you live in a Christian home and you're both, both believers, uh, I think it would be strange, right, for me to make a big decision and for my wife to be strongly opposed, right? Uh, that feels so unnatural to me. I just feel like I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. Um, but, you know... Perhaps that happens. Um, what about like lesser things? Maybe it's not a big decision. Maybe it's not as big as a job that might move us out of town. But what about some of those smaller decisions? Do you make any of those without checking with your spouse? Yeah, I think we do. And some of them are inconsequential, right? What she buys at the grocery store when her heart desires something. At the end of the day, I really don't. I really don't care. I like all food. I need calories. Whatever, right? Um, but if she decided, you know what? I don't like my Jeep anymore. I think I'm going to trade my Jeep in and get a different car. Now, now I might be kind of like, hey, thought this. I thought we had this hour money thing, right? Maybe that's a decision you're like, you want. Stay in your lane. Right. <laughs> but you know, I think we all look around and we see families like that, right? Where they might draw the line in a slightly different place than maybe we do. And at our house, we kind of put a dollar limit on it, right? We're like, okay, here and below, you know, I'm not going to get in your business too much. But like here and above, yeah, we should probably talk. I think that's more aimed at me <laughs> than her. She, she, and she's raising our daughter beautifully on this, too. They're both super frugal, and they get so excited when they find $6 shoes. Right. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's really a, a cool thing. Uh, I don't find anything that I like that's $6. <laughs> it's just the way it is. Um, God also brought other people into this guy's life from the story, um, and some of those were his friends. Um, you have to be a pretty good friend, though, to be sought for advice on this and to, be, and to feel like someone's going to listen to you to where you would give this advice. Um, the question is, do you have those friends in the faith that you could take a big decision to and say, please join me in praying for me. I'm thinking about a different job. I think you should, right? I think you could have some right here. We just had prayer request time. You could offer it here and say, you know what? I'm thinking about a big decision. 
Now, be reminded that God may speak to someone in this class, and they may say, I don't think that's right for you. Now there's a question of, you have a strong enough relationship to offer it, do you have a strong enough relationship to actually take the advice? Or would you just be able to say, well, that's just Jason from church. I only see him on Sunday. Right? What do I care about his opinion? Right? Uh, and that's where we've been talking about God's will. And last week we were talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we're trying to remind each other that when the Holy Spirit brings someone to mind, that's our cue to pray for, for that person. And I hope you've been doing that. We try to send out these prayer requests in the middle of the week or so. We're not always, you know, sometimes before or after. But, um, and that's to, to be a reminder that we could allow God to use us in, in this process. Um, and then lastly, um, this guy took advice or had advice offered from a teenage son. Um, do, you, do you believe that God can speak through your teenage children? We know they're crazy, right? We know they don't make great decisions all the time. That's why they live under our roof, right? Uh, we were talking this morning. I just was making a joke and said, you know, I think that might have been part of a previous president's um, decision-making when he said you could stay on your parents' insurance until you were 27. Maybe you don't make great decisions <laughs> early in life. Maybe you need a little bit more of a safety net. Um, but... I think God can speak through our teenage kids. And I think uh, our teenage kids, I don't know if you've stopped in on Wednesday night regularly or, or, or recently, uh, but I'm a little bit jealous of, of what they get there. And uh, I went last week uh, as a cop-out to a business meeting. Um, well, your daughter, so yeah, Beth's daughter was singing. I wanted to hear her sing. And I was torn with, do I go, do I stay? And then somebody handed me the business meeting paperwork, and I was like, I'm out. <laughs> um, that's her territory. Um, she's a great person to have in a business meeting. I'm not. Uh, and they really, I was blessed by Joe's preaching and, and the worship there. Uh, and I do believe that God's speaking through our kids. And I think, I think we should trust them with some of that. So the point is, is that God often reveals his plans through his church. And uh, there was an activity um, that we were going to have a poster for, but we don't today. Uh, and it's really, it shows four different pictures of what the church could look like. Um, and I don't think this is in your book. Um, the first picture is like an old-fashioned church with a little steeple and a little cross on top. Is that your vision of the church? The next is just a person, right? Just, just a person. And then the next two are two different really designs for like an organizational chart. Um, which one of those in your mind really describes the church best? Person. Yeah, the person. Right, the church isn't a building, right? And that's, and the reason I make this connection to the Wednesday night thing is that's one of the Joe-isms, right? Mm -hmm. Joe, Joe often says the church isn't the building, right? It's, it's all of us. Um, but there's probably, some, there's probably some organizational matters as well. I mean, we do have a preacher, and then we've got associate pastors, and you know, there are some positions and things that happen in the church. Uh, but what about among us, the, the body of the, the church? Is there a hierarchy? Is there an organizational chart of any kind? I think there's people that are more mature in their faith, and you can kind of look up to them, and, and then sometimes you might be that person. Yeah. 
people that you know maybe more mature in faith than you. Yeah, I think in that regard, I think you're right. Yeah, there are there are people that are clearly leading that are are actively engaging in their faith. Um, and uh, you know, we we were talking last night, a couple of us. You know, I think I think like EJ has his own ministry going, right? And I think it's really a cool thing that he does daily and brings other people along. And then he brought some brought some people with him to the party, right? I'm like, yeah, it's kind of like he's he's a little more plugged in. I, I like that. The context of what we're going to read today in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul's addressing the church at Corinth again. And he's been doing that all the way through the book of 1 Corinthians. And he's been giving them instructions on how to be a good church, basically. And he goes uh, through uh, acts of worship, acts of service, the way the church is organized, teaches them how to pray, how to serve each other, uh, that kind of thing. He even gets down to giving them some instructions on how to do the Lord's Supper right. Um, and then he gets to this, uh, this uh, area around gifts of the Spirit. So let's jump into 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to read verses 1 through 3. But just know that in the preceding text, Paul's been giving a, a long list of instructions about all of these things. Uh, and now he goes on to instruct the, the church on how to serve each other with the gifts that God's given them. Will somebody read 12, 1 through 3, please? Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one is speaking by the Spirit of God. It says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I like it when there's a natural transition in the text, and this is one of those where in verse 1 he says, now, about the gifts of the Spirit. That's where he's like, okay, I'm done talking about this other thing, and what he had just finished talking about was acts of worship and the Lord's Supper, and now he says, let's talk about these spiritual gifts. Uh, did anything stick out to you in there? Anything interesting in those verses pop out? I like how at the end of two he talks about them being mute idols. Yeah. Yeah, and he reminds them that they were once led astray to worship those things. He's kind of bringing everybody down to the same level and saying there may be differences in the maturity of our faith, but all of you... <laughs> before we're led away to to worship these mute idols pretty interesting so he's, he's kind of leveling the playing field and then in verse 3 he says but I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the spirit of God says Jesus be cursed what does he mean by that you hear a lot of people I'm assuming it was back then uh, too but you hear these days where you know people they have religion and it's about what makes you feel right and you being a good person and all these different things if you're if you're saying something that is directly contrary or you're actually cursing Jesus mainly by saying he's not the son of God then these people are not speaking from within the Holy Spirit they're not speaking the truth they're just yeah. out there on their own there's a he gave us a there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he just gave us like a spiritual litmus, litmus test where he said, okay, if there are people that are cursing God, they're not believers. And there was some distinction, right? There was some of that in the church, and I think that's true of every church. There are some people that are sort of hanging around the church that are part of the body of the church, but they're not part of the body of Christ. And he's giving them a way to differentiate 
And he says that no one who claims to be speaking by the Spirit of God can also curse God at the same time. It's not possible. Um, So if you find somebody that's lukewarm and cursing God, but he says they're outside the faith. Uh, And then similarly, he continues on and says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Does that mean that people can't form the words and say the phrase, Jesus is Lord? I mean, I think they could and not be sincere, right? But he's saying if someone is truly sincere and surrendering themselves to Jesus as their Lord, the only way they can do that is to be filled by the Spirit. This reminds me of when Jesus is on the mountain with uh, all of his disciples and he's praying and he knows he's about to be seized and he's asking the disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter responds and says, you are the Christ, son of the living God. And then what does Jesus say to him? He said, no. Yeah, he says, you're not capable of saying that, right? That's the Holy Spirit at work within you, right? Pretty, pretty interesting stuff. So why is it important for us to be aware of the spiritual gifts that the Spirit gives us? We're not equally equipped, right? Um, You have something that I need and I have something that you need because God didn't give all of it to all of us Um, because what would happen if God gave us all of the spiritual gifts on a singular person? I wouldn't need you anymore. We wouldn't be much of a church, right? Um, How did Jesus tell the disciples that people would know that they follow him? He said we'd have fruit, but he also said that they would know that you belong to me by the way you love each other, right? If, uh, If I don't have a way to show love to you through an act of service, and if you don't have a way to show love to me, right, none of that's true, right? I become self sufficient. I don't need you or anybody else. You don't need me, right? But he created us in this dependent way, right? We're dependent upon him, but we're also dependent upon the rest of the body of the church. Um, So one of the primary ways that God speaks to his people uh, is through other people. Um, We can be set on what we want, or we can be so confused by our circumstances that we don't recognize God's guidance. In some of those cases, he may use someone else to help us see his will. And this, and this is an important note. This is not to say that just anybody else can speak for God. Just because someone says, I know what God wants for you to do, doesn't mean that that person really knows. Um, and this starts to bring in issues of discernment, right? And that's why I was asking about, have you ever gotten advice that you ignored? Have you ever gotten some advice you're glad you didn't ignore? Um, but again, this comes with time and, and with some testing. It says an acknowledgement of the lordship of Christ must be present in that situation, both in the person's words and in their life. Even then, we want to see that his or her words line up with other ways that God speaks to us, especially through what? His word, right? So where's the danger zone? The danger zone is that you get some good advice and then you're not in God's word everything might sound good or it might sound bad, right? Um, The discernment comes through actually being in his word and making sure what they're sharing with you lines up with what you're reading. Um, So where do do people often look for guidance today? Like you, 
YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you, you shared one with me yesterday that I, I, I knew there was a million things on YouTube, but I didn't know you could know how to fix a dislocated elbow. <laughs> so instead of... So, I mean, uh, Wes and Grace are not going to be paying copays anymore to take their kid to the urgent care. They're just going to fix that thing at home. <laughs> yeah. What are some other places people go to for advice? Facebook. Facebook? There's a good reason why I'm not on there anymore. There's a lot of, there's a lot of freely given advice. I call unsolicited advice on Facebook. What? Worth every penny. Worth every penny. <laughs> yep. Uh, did you did you know just in Baldwin County uh, there are five palm readers, like spiritus people, just in just in Baldwin County. How do you figure that out? Internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell me where the other people are? Just. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them are on fifty nine. They're trying to catch the, the beach, you know, people coming through, tourists coming through. But there's five of them in Baldwin County. There's also like 100 liquor stores, um, but yeah, it's a different thing. Uh, so it, it's interesting. There's a lot of free advice out there. Um, but, you know, we, we have the opportunity to get some good advice uh, right here uh, amongst this group and, uh, and others inside the church. All right, let's turn to the next section. It's 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. Will somebody read that short passage for us? There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Yeah. Um, remember in that first section of this, uh, this chapter, Paul kind of brought everybody down to a level playing field. Uh, and the reason he was doing that was he was setting them up for this, this passage. And he says that there are different kinds of gifts. And when he said that, everybody in the room nodded, right? Everybody's like, yeah, of course, we, we know that. And then he says the same spirit distributes them all. And they're like, yeah, okay, yeah, I get it. Um, the, the part that's missing here, I think, is probably Paul's body language and probably some of the extra commentary that goes with it, uh, that he was telling them that all of these gifts were equal to one another, that one wasn't superior to the other. Um, what are some of the gifts that we often think are more superior than others? The preaching. The preaching, right? The person, surely, the person that stands at the front doing the preaching is the most gifted person in the church, right? I think we, we can reasonably assume that. Is it true, though? It's not. Right? The person serving in the nursery with the children has the same, same spirit gave that gift and their expression of that gift is equally weighted in, in the kingdom. Um, what were they struggling with in Corinth? What was, the, what was the best gift to have? There were two that were sort of at the top of the list. If you had the gift of prophecy, you, you were a rock star, right? You were a hero because you saw, God revealed things to you, you saw the future, and then those things came true. That's how they tested prophets, right? Even Jesus said if the prophet's wrong, how many times? Just once means they're not a prophet, right? So if you were a prophet, you were, you were pretty high on the pecking order. Um, what's another one that was going on then? 
what did they do back then, and maybe some churches still do today, but we hadn't seen it in a long time, and you've never seen it in a Baptist church. Speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues, right? <laughs> so you had the tongue speaker. That was pretty high on the list, but who had the even more superior job than that? That was the interpreter of the tongues. So if you could hear that and then interpret that, you were, you were a big shot in, in the church. And what Paul tells them is that, hey, there are all different kinds of service, but all that service is to the same God, right? That I don't see any of you as more important than the other, and neither does God. And he says there's different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God that's at work. Um, this was controversial context at the time. Um, for us, we're all sitting here today like, what's the big deal, right? Let's make it a little more modern. We talked about the, the, the pastor's role and things like that. Are there other roles that today that, that maybe we revere uh, and, and support, um, maybe even get things a little out of order? Maybe like Christian singers? singers? Yeah, yeah, maybe the, yeah, the exercising of gifts like you know, singing might be one of those things. Um, what about uh, the, the rich person that gives a lot to the church? You see some churches kind of struggling with that. Or at least I do. Seems like rich people are kind of making some of the decisions. May even have their name on some buildings. Right? Stuff like that. Um, I think we even see some, some of those preachers and some of those people even get television shows and stuff, right? People send them money and, I don't know, it's weird. Um, <coughs> But what we're reminded of here is that God has an infinite capacity to relate to people. And this is just sort of opened my eyes a little bit as I was reading. It's that each individual's walk with God is unique. And that was, that was cool because I don't, I don't want to do the same thing as everybody else. I always found that I'm a little bit unique and like different things. And, and we have an infinite God that has an infinite capacity to relate to people and that it doesn't have to be all the same. It says, yet it is the same Holy Spirit who works in every person's life. The Spirit doesn't change, yet he fashions relationships with individuals that suit their personality and their particular assignments. Have you ever felt like there were some aspects of your own personality that kind of get in your way? Like there's some things that are just wired down in you deep that you wish were different. Um, but the reality is, is that God made us with a certain personality, right? There are some things that he did wire and fashion into us. Um, and it is, it is refreshing to know that he, in his infinite wisdom, can fashion the relationship and suit that personality and match that up with an assignment that he's given us. It says in the Old Testament, the Spirit came upon people to equip them for a divine assignment. The Holy Spirit equipped Samson with what? Strength. Great strength. Uh, to achieve victory over the Philistines. That same spirit equipped David to be a good leader as a king. Uh, the spirit equipped prophets to prophesy. Because people had different assignments, God prepared them uniquely, uh, which, which is very interesting. Um, so have, how have you seen God work in a similar way in each other's lives? Have you seen God sort of passing out different assignments? to people in this group or around this church? Have you seen ways in which God has given assignments that were in line and in tune with your personality? Leading this class, you, 
you know, we've gone, we've got different people that have been stepped up. Something would happen at work and somebody would need to, or at home or something else, and somebody else would need to step in to, to lead the class. And you're doing that at this moment. You know, Doc's done it before. Yeah. Yeah, so that's an interesting one, right? Um, so Matt Ruffin has never met a stranger in his life, and he loves to talk, and he works in sales, right? Um, this is his sweet spot. Um, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say uh, that Rob is probably more of an introvert. Scott's more of an introvert. I'm more of an introvert. Kurt's more of an introvert. But I think what we've all seen in our expression of this is that we can kind of rise to the occasion. Uh, but I would say that this is not directly in line with my personality, but I also have seen that it's something I can do. Right? Um, and that's, that's an interesting thing, right? It may not be perfectly in line with my personality, but then God stretches and fashions things in such a way, puts you with a group to where you can be comfortable and sort of rise to the occasion. Uh, I could do this with you. Uh, Matt Ruffin, though, could walk into a room of strangers uh, and, and just freestyle. Um, I have to be prepared and sort of mentally <laughs> prepared, and I can't do that in any group. Um, Moses didn't feel prepared. Moses argued with God yeah, about whether right. or not he yeah. could do that, and, and yeah. he was Moses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even uh, Moses, the story of Moses is a pretty great one, right? Moses had uh, a couple of things holding him back. Uh, one of those is that he didn't speak clearly, right? He had a speech impediment, we think, of some kind. And, and he actually uh, tells God that if I'm going to do this, you're going to have to speak through me. And the whole time I'm sitting there going, isn't that exactly what he wanted in the first place? <laughs> I think God wanted to speak through somebody. And he chose somebody that didn't speak clearly. Right, it's very, very interesting. Uh, what other ways have we seen God sort of equipping people, using their personality? I think we talked about one just as we were kind of warming up here this, this morning. I, I think Natasha's in a sweet spot. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I asked her, I was like, so is your wife in full-time service now in the children's ministry? Because it seems like I see her all the time. And the answer is yes, she is. And I know my kid bonds with her quickly. Right, and we heard some other stories of that as well. Um, it's really important that 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 those kids feel comfortable so that they can receive the word as they're going through that. Right. Um, there have been some people that have passed through that that room over the years that I was less less comfortable with. Right, but I kind of wondered if they were even paying attention. It's clear she's paying attention, right, and enjoying every moment of it. Are there others? I think just going through situations, God equips you to help other people through situations. That's with my, my marriage and all that I went through, and, and I'm able to help people go through some stuff that it's easier to talk to somebody that's been through it and can understand where you're coming from because it's kind of hard to explain, you know, if you haven't been through it, what other, so you can reach people with what you've been through, and they can say, oh, it really helps to talk to you. I'm like, yeah, it helps, because I've had people help me through, you know, situations. Yeah, you're talking about the difference between sympathy and empathy. Sympathy is, oh, shucks. Empathy is, I've been where you've been. It's going to get better. And I, and I have some real guidance from you for you because I've walked through this. I've been in your shoes, right? And that's something I think he equips us with as well. Uh, Wes is a man of few words. And right now he's on security detail downstairs. 
and the best security guards never talk. Right? <laughs> they, they, they leave you wondering, what's that guy, the big guy in the corner doing over there? Well, he's got an eye on you, right? He's not down there sharing the gift of gab. He's down there, you know, he's on detail, right? So I think, I think God does fashion some things that are in tune, actually always, with, in, in our, with our personality. Let's read this last passage together. It's 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11, if somebody would read that for us. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. Yeah, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, if we go through the order of things, Paul kind of works the order in, in reverse from what they think is really cool. They're really into the tongues and the interpretation of tongues. He put them last. Um, the miraculous or the differentiation between spirits, that was another big thing. The miraculous powers, prophecy, even healing was less respected uh, and, and kind of came first. And he addressed things in an inverse order. But it's interesting, he starts with that the Spirit is given for the common good. Remember, he equalized everybody, and then in the preceding passages, he actually said all the gifts are given by the same God. And then here he says, just as a reminder, all of these things are given for the common good of the church. Um, why would you think he would need to say that? If you could do miraculous powers, what might your popularity lead to? A business opportunity, <laughs> right? Profit, um, gifts of healing, prophecy, distinguishing spirits, right? I mean, you, you could get you a side gig uh, using God's spiritual gifts that he intended for the church. Um, now, I think there's some balance there, right? He's given us talents that we can go out and make a living with. Um, but clearly, Paul's talking here that these things that the Spirit of God has given you, these are for assignment for the church and for the common good of all of the people. Um, I think we're, we're kind of running short on time. Um, so let's, uh, let's just acknowledge that there, all of these gifts that were available uh, at this time of this writing are all still available and, and expressed today. Um, when was the last time, though, that you saw somebody that was gifted with the uh, ability to have miraculous powers? It's been a while, right? I think the last time I saw anything, it was written in this book, right? We're reading about those stories. I don't know anybody that's capable of performing miracles be really cool if I did. Um, what about gifts of healing? Someone told me there's a healing service going on somewhere around. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a truly spirit-gifted healer. I, I don't know. Well, a miracle could be something, somebody changing an atheist to a believer. Well, that's, that's the biggest miracle, right? But, I mean, Billy Graham was, you could say Billy Graham was yeah, and then the distinguishing of spirits and prophecy and all of those things, interpretation of tongues, all of that uh, is still available today. And then that last part of the verse, he distributes those just as he determines, right? And I think that God gives these gifts based on what uh, 
our ability to receive them and to exercise them might be as well. Perhaps no one's willing to receive the gift of miracle working uh, in, in, our, in our church. I don't know. Okay, so this week, let's take some time to reflect. Uh, let's think about what God may be uh, saying to you and to think about what God may be saying to you specifically through other people, right? Let's think about how God may be using the church to guide us. Um, then it says, let's, let's keep a prayer list of people's needs and decisions. I think we're already doing that. Uh, and then that, that they would see what God, God desires for them and that they would obediently follow. So we may need to go a step further than what we're doing. Right? You may actually have to start serving people and intervening in some of these things that we're praying about. Uh, and then serve. Look for an opportunity this week to use the gifts that God has given you to serve the body. You don't have to know what your gift is in order to serve. Uh, give your time and your experience in an area where your heart is drawn to and your gift will then manifest itself. So it's one of those ideas that kind of like the Indiana Jones Temple of Doom, you have to take that step that you can't see that it's there and then yeah, you start working it out. I'm sure it's not exactly like that. Uh, but the idea is to start serving and then God will reveal that to, to you. Uh, and then also there are a number of spiritual gift like uh, tests and surveys that you can do. Uh, there are a number of those. They're available online. They're cheap. They're easy. You can figure out in a few minutes perhaps where your personality lines up with a spiritual gift. Some are better than others, so use some caution and some discernment there. Um, but the, the idea is get out there and get to work. Um, questions or other comments today before we wrap up? Okay. I'm going to be out next week. Um, and Kurt's going to be filling in. And uh, we're going to be looking at God's will and our circumstances. And this is one of those dangerous topics, right? We need to be careful as we evaluate our circumstances um, to see where God's working. So uh, let's, uh, let's pray together and then we'll be dismissed.